listening to the Business of Branding podcast. If you are a creative female entrepreneur ready to connect with more of those hack yes clients, build an irresistible brand, and allow growing your business to feel easier than ever before, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Nikki Arnsman, a brand designer and strategist, a mama, and a little bit of a serial entrepreneur. On this podcast, I share all the strategies, tips, and lessons learned that have helped me build and scale an aligned business. My hope is that the content here will inspire you to go out and do the same for yourself. Welcome to another episode of the Business of Branding podcast. I've got Jen Spiegel here. She is the founder and CEO of Becoming Iconic, a seven-figure global business and leadership brand that elevates entrepreneurs who desire to create a seven-figure legacy through integral leadership. Uh, She has her own podcast that she hosts called the Becoming Iconic podcast. I was just listening to an episode before we started recording. It's phenomenal. I highly recommend you go listen. And Becoming Iconic is all about the real, the raw, and the vulnerable truth about being a female entrepreneur and what that looks like, kind of weaving in all the practicality and the different pieces that come into play to build a business and a life you love. So Jen, I'm so happy to have you here. Hey, Nikki. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I was telling Jen, I was reading all her topics to record and I'm like, well, I like all of them. They all sound great to me. (laughs) So let's just like have a deep conversation about what you've been up to. Um, I feel like social media is an important part of your business, which you then lost your social media. And so I do want to talk about all of that. Because I think that's a very real thing that people are probably like, you do think about like, what would happen if this was just gone? Or the other thing I thought about is like, what if I just don't want to do this part of like marketing anymore? Can Mm -hmm. I survive without it? And just, you know, a couple other little topics. But first, can you tell us a little bit more about how you got into this work? What you're doing? What does your business look like today? Bring us up to speed. Yeah, thank you. It all starts really when I became a mom. So before that, I was very career focused. I was in marketing. I had done fashion and I loved working. I loved a career. I loved striving for goals. It was just, it's it's built in me. I've always had ridiculous work ethic. Mm. And I've also been a big dreamer. Since I was a little girl, the seed was planted that I wanted to support women in feeling more confident in their own skin. And likely that comes from being a young girl who didn't feel comfortable in her own skin and desired that for herself, but also felt called into that exploration and that journey of finding it for myself and being able to turn around and share that with other women. So that was planted and it it just always had this like hum in my life. And so I thought it was going to be in fashion. Definitely wasn't. (laughs) That industry is not supportive to helping you feel comfortable in your skin. It has great parts too, though. Um, And then I had this beautiful baby. I had this little girl. So interesting how I always wanted to support women and feeling confident. And now I'm holding a little baby girl and I still had not found that for myself. So I left my career to be home with her, made that decision because we were doing a move and it just really was an easy decision to make at that time and quickly saw myself being lost in the role of mom. I became the sweatpant mom. I was wearing a ball cap most days. My biggest, 
you know, adventure was to go to the gym for an hour. And I just craved that time alone. I just felt really lost and I didn't know how to search for my goals and achieve my goals in the same time of being an exceptional mom. And I really did fall into the narrative and story that was told to women for as long as I can remember that we would have to sacrifice. We would have to sacrifice being a great mom in order to have a career, or we would have to sacrifice our goals, personal goals and achievements in order to be a great mom. And I was living that out. And all of a sudden it didn't make sense to me anymore. And so I took the leap into entrepreneurship because I loved the idea of being able to work from home. And I thought this feels like the marriage of everything that I want in my life to be able to have work hours that I design, be home with my children. It just made so much sense. It clicked in and I thought, I'm going to show myself and others that this is possible. I was met with huge adversity I and mean, nobody in my personal life and my closest people to me were champions of what I was doing. Most people thought I was out of my mind and like, why wouldn't you just be a stay-at-home mom if you could? Mm. And I allowed that to fuel my fire. Just want to like make a point here because a lot of times when we set out to do something and make a pivot or a shift in our lives, we're met with people's scarcity, fear, their own narratives. And we can allow that to be the water on our fire and, and sort of dim that out and, you know, let it be smoke that just kind of goes up into the air, or we can choose to allow that to be kerosene. And that's really my personality. I'm like, you said, I can't do this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I'll show you. So that was the launch of my entrepreneurial experience. That was 16 years ago. And now I'm a mom of four and have multiple businesses and a top rated podcast and a very harmonious life. And it's, it's always work. It's always progression, but it has certainly been an, a beautiful existence. I love that so much. I was almost like getting like emotional when you were talking about like having your daughter being the thing that sort of you're holding this baby and you're like, I I'm still figuring out like who I am. How am I supposed to like raise this one to know who she is? Um, I have a daughter and I, had a, um, my listeners know this, but I had a clothing line for about five and a half, six years, which was so much of my identity, like this mm -hmm. business that I had built. And I got pregnant and I was like, I got to sell this business. And everyone was like, you're crazy. And I'm like, I know pregnancy just like for me was this, like, um, it was like a crack me open to like, mm -hmm. be able to know, like, I was like, I know that I don't know what's next, but I know that this chapter is like coming to an end and um, sold that business. And that sort of pushed me into entrepreneurship too, where then I was figuring out how to be a mom, how to be a business owner, how to like, I don't know, figure out what I wear now, like, <laughs> you know, all of the things. And I think it's so easy and just, you know, I'm obviously sensitive, extra sensitive to this right now being pregnant that I'm just like so much, there's so much to uncover and figure out when you become a mom. And, right. and especially if you leave a career and then you're pivoting and you're kind of figuring out like, what am I doing next? Um, it's just, yeah, it's so interesting that sometimes that's the thing that like allows us to uh, sort of figure out like what what is next for me? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, um, so interesting. It holds us accountable too. Like I, I have a pet peeve and 
I don't mind if you don't mind me sharing it. I think it's important for anybody who is thinking about being a mom or is a mom and wanting to be an entrepreneur or you're in in it like we are. Mm. Often, I mean, I've worked with thousands and thousands of women at this point, and more often than not, we use our children as our very excuse to not live fully. Mm. We use them as the excuse to not actually go into inspired action and follow through on the things we said we were going to do. And I know that this can be a tender subject and maybe a little bit triggering, but I do feel like it's an accountability call that I feel really, I just feel called into to share. And that is, I, I really feel like we need to take a look in the mirror when we're doing that and actually think about what we're actually saying. Mm-hmm. So imagine I, I say to my children, well, I'm not going to actually build becoming iconic any further. You know, I'm just going to kind of sit in the success that I've had because of you. First of all, they don't deserve that on their shoulders and their back. And can you imagine how they will feel one day when we're sitting around the dinner table and they say, Hey mom, what was your biggest dream? And you're like, well, one time I had this idea, but you know, I didn't follow through because I was being a mom and putting that and projecting that upon our kids. I actually feel like they can be the fuel again and the, the big vision for what we are out there to accomplish. I would love them to be the very reason why we follow through on the things we do, why we pursue our biggest goals, biggest dreams and stretch ourselves versus why not. And for moms, especially mompreneurs, we just have to catch ourselves a little bit because it's, Mm. it's a frequent and very um, innocent, innocent thing. But when we actually look at it fully, we realize, Ooh, that's not how I want to raise my kids. And it's also not what I want to put on their backs. Mm. Do you think that that has something to do with like cultural uh, and generational like times changing? Because I feel like when I think of or or maybe like women weren't speaking up about this, you know, 20, 30 years ago, probably even 10 years ago, um, just about, you know, it was very, it very much feels like and I come from like a big Italian family. So this could also Mm, be like cultural in that sense um of like the women like you you they stay home you know and they that's what they do and so even like women who can afford to stay home and we don't even have to like make an income like as far as financially in their business in their uh life but they want to work right like they have a dream they have a desire um but that was like you did you I guess like you just didn't do that. Right. And now we talk about it and we do it. And there's, you know, a lot of women who are building these really successful businesses from home um, and raising their kids at the same time, you know, and I like for me, sometimes what I think about is, is it a, is it a generational thing that like, you know, the use of this world, the knees are breaking that down and talking about it and speaking about it. Um, and then another thing that comes up for me that maybe you can speak on too, is the idea that if we choose to do that, start a business, be an entrepreneur, create something, fulfill that dream, we have to also be doing all the other things also, like the laundry, the cleaning, the groceries, the, who knows, maybe you manage the bills, like all the other things. And then we just pile on top of all of that fulfill my dream, make money, become, Mm -hmm. you know, grow a business. So I'm always thinking too, is that 
do we have to do it all to have it all in order to feel fulfilled? Or is it okay for us now to say, I'm going to, I'm going to outsource that. I'm going to hand that off because this dream and this business is, you know, equally as important to me as, you know, whatever the other things are. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack in there that I think is really important that we have a discussion around because at the high performance coaching level, I'm one of the only ones that's a mom. Mm. Actually, I'm the only one that I can think of that sort of at this level in the industry, that's a mom that's even married. Mm. (laughs) Most of my peers are single women and they're doing incredible things in their business. They're my inspiration. A lot of them are my mentors still, but I, I really started to see like, wow, there's a difference when you hold a family as well. There's, it's not better, worse. It's just different. Mm. And so to answer your first question, I believe firmly that our generation is blazing a trail for the future of the rest of the generations. We are the first to be doing the things we're doing. We are the first to be superseding our partners in our home in terms of finances. I mean, my parents still don't understand the roles in my home because Mm -hmm. I am the person that creates all the income. And my husband has more of the role of looking after the home and the kids. Like we do it together, but he would be more in that role than I am because I'm here working during the day. It's very confusing for the generation before Mm -hmm. us because they think the man's supposed to be making the money. He should be contributing more. So there's a lot of those discussions and it's just discomfort. And I think, wow, what a privilege and an honor, but there's, there's this progression. And I feel like we're stumbling forward in certain ways. I think as women, now that we have our voice, we don't always use it correctly and that's okay. That's the learning curve. But I also think we're doing a lot of things right. At least we're shifting the paradigm. At least we're, we're rattling the way things used to be. And I feel like we're breaking down a lot of boxes. And then to answer your second question around all these components in our life, two things come up that I teach often. Number one is instead of saying I have to, so I hear women a lot go, I have to take the kids to school or I have to do the groceries. or I've got to clean the house or I have all these things to do. By just simply changing a word, you can completely change the energy around everything you do. And it's, I get to, Mm -hmm. I have to remind myself of that often when I have four kids who are coming in the house after school and I still have things I need to tidy up in my business and dinner needs to be made and all these things. I have to sometimes practice what I preach and remember, I get to do this. I get to greet four children. I get to make dinner. I get to run a business from home. What a privilege, what an honor. There are people in the world who would do anything to be in the circumstances that I'm in. So I need to remember to always sink into obsessive gratitude for the things that I hold and carry. And then the second layer of that is our capacity. As women, we have played small for so long and we have felt limited for so long that we haven't even recognized our capacity yet. We're starting to taste it just a little bit. But when we actually realize that our capacity is infinite, that all of these things don't need to be burdens, don't need to create overwhelm, but instead get to show our strength and our resilience and how incredibly gifted we are, again, it starts to change and mold. So we have yet to really fully own the capacity we have. And I believe that's very unique to women in general. I believe we were just created and made with so much abundance. And so it's time we start playing with that and exploring that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. It's everything that you shared was just so little subtle shifts that are like easy things to be able to check yourself on. 
when you're literally just speaking um, to yourself or to someone that you're talking to or whatever it is. Um, and I often have to like catch myself and look at myself in the mirror and say, you know, and I only have one right now, but I'm in this space of, I know, you know, I'm due with my second in July and um, I'm always thinking of what that's going to be like. Like, what's it going to be like when I have two, you know, another baby here and another and my toddler, you know, running all around and it can feel like a lot. And I do often, now that we're talking about this, like I do often find that I will, oh, I have to do this and I have to do this. And, and it does, it is kind of just naturally a negative way of, of like moving through the things that like are a part of that's like actually life, right? Like if I, if I zoom out, I'm like, yeah, that's life. Like that's actually what makes up my, a lot of my life right now. Um, and it is a joy to be able to like get to do all of those things. Yeah. And we have a, we have a tendency to be into martyrism as women. We just have to own it, recognize it and teach ourselves to maybe approach things differently. But I'd love to give you an analogy of having your second baby and capacity. So I remember when I told my first two kids that we were having another child and I remember their faces and the instant reaction of like, oh my goodness, what does this mean for me? Right. For them, they were thinking about themselves. What does this mean for me? And I described something to them that really was helpful. And I I think this might be helpful for you or anybody listening in with capacity. I think of it like puppies, okay, or children. Let's use puppies as the example. You have a dog and you decide as a family, you know what? I think we want another dog. We're going to go get a puppy. When you go and get that second puppy, you don't take love away from your first Mm -hmm. dog to give to the puppy. It's not an exchange. It's an expansion you actually end up having more love. You're like, oh my goodness, I love my first dog and I love this dog. And you realize there's no exchange in that. It's just growth. And the same thing happens for us as women. As you have this second baby, it's not like now, what am I going to have to give up because I have this second human I need to look after? Instead, it's like, how much bigger can I show up in my life let me see what I can hold. I want to see what I'm made of and look and like welcome in that expansion for yourself. And that's where as women, when we get that, it clicks in all of a sudden we start taking radical responsibility, seizing opportunities, saying yes to things. Everything starts to grow and flourish because that's what life and, and God wants for us. And all of a sudden we're like, oh my goodness, this whole time I've been in my way. Mm. And now that I've moved aside, and allowed myself to see myself and witness myself, it's really beautiful what's unfolded. I just love that so much. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. (laughs) Okay, switching gears a little bit. Obviously, we could talk about motherhood and business and all the things (laughs) for probably a full day. Um, But what I do want to dive into is Let's talk about, I think it's an interesting conversation about your social media stuff. You had a larger following, lost your social media, and then this whole other conversation unfolded around what am I doing now? And I I was listening, if my listeners here, you should definitely go. I'm not exactly sure which episode it is of hers, um, but I encourage you, I think it was Social Media Paradigm Shift was the name of the episode. Um on her podcast, Becoming Iconic, was so interesting because you were talking about the way that followings were grown a handful of years ago 
bots and all these different things. Um, I, when I had my clothing line, this, that's exactly what was happening. This was yes. about eight years ago, nine years ago. Um, influencers were not even like really a thing then. It was more just people who had followings. You could like, we, we sold all active where like I could throw them a pair of leggings for free. They'd post it and sell out. We'd get followers. Um, and it was, you could pay, you know, $15 a month and have a bot like getting you new followers that were, um, air quoting like ideal followers, but yes. who, like who was dictating that, right? <laughs> so I was just resonating with that because it was so different then. And then all of a sudden people were like, they have 20 likes on a photo or a post, you know, and they've only got, and they have a hundred thousand followers, like something that is not adding up here. Um, and so I want to talk about what was your, what was your social media like and how were you operating it prior to you losing it? How did you lose it? And then, yeah, talk us through. Yeah, it's a whole, this. it's a whole story. So let's just dive in story time with Jen. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I built my social media over the last decade and built it just how you described it. There was wait, a lot of one second. Yeah. What was your business? Like what have you always been coaching and mentoring or did you have another business that grew this following? So my initial business, which is still a passive income was in network marketing. So I'm okay. still a top 1% in mm-hmm. that industry. I don't actively pursue that anymore, but it's a great passive income and that I worked at. So that was my entry point into entrepreneurship. Becoming iconic was born in 2020. January of 2020 and it launched and it was a massive success at the gates. And because there were so many people who had watched me from the outside build a massive business. So when I opened myself up to the world, which is exactly why I started becoming iconic, I did not want to be just focused on one company anymore and building that. I wanted to actually show up and and spread myself across the world to whoever was feeling, you know, compelled and, and called in. So Becoming Iconic started January 2020 and my personal brand has just been one of the biggest joys of my entire life. I've loved it from the moment I started it mm-hmm. and it grew and it grew and it grew and, and it's just been an incredible journey. I pour myself into my social media. It was actually interesting. I had a client reach out yesterday and say, you know, how are you doing everything? Like, I know you have someone doing your social media and you have somebody. It's really interesting how people presume I've always done my social media. That is me. Mm. Um, I find it one of my greatest creative outlets. It's my journal entry every day. I, I give my soul to my social media. So when the day came to, about two months ago, I had at this point, tens of thousands of followers I, I had an email I got off of podcasting and it was just this really random email from Facebook that I had put something up that was against community guidelines. And I had so many hours to appeal it. Mm. And Jen is very naive. She thinks everybody out there is just good. (laughs) So I clicked the link. I didn't do anything, but it took me right to my Facebook page. So I was like, Oh, that it may be legit because it actually went into the back end of my Facebook page. So how could a hacker have that. Like I couldn't figure it out. I sent it to my team. My team's like, I don't know. And we just put up a a reel. Maybe the the music we used Mm. in the reel when we developed it was, um, you know, wasn't according to the copyright or whatever. So I panicked. 
because I do my social media and because I had someone go in there and help me that day, I was like, oh my goodness, this is why I don't do anything other than on my own. And I went in and it just became this cat and mouse game. I just all fell apart and, um, everything was left or lost. And because I had my Facebook and my Instagram linked so that when you post on one, it automatically posts on the other. That was, is one of my biggest lessons. I strongly recommend anybody listening in that you do not have that because I didn't even think of my Instagram, which was my main hub. If I had lost my Facebook, it would have hurt, but I would be okay. But as I was chasing them in Facebook, all of a sudden they're in my Instagram, I had five accounts and that's all gone. So in the matter of an hour, everything was gone. And I worked for a week. I mean, I was frantic. I worked for a week trying to get it back. And what I realized was there is no support with Meta. There's, there's no such thing. There's not a customer support group or department. If this happens to you, you might as well just live with that moment and just own it and cry and do all the things that we do. But I, what the important part of this story is, is in that moment, I had to make a big decision, kind of like the sliding door decision. And I thought this is either going to break me or it's going to make me. And I am in leadership. That's what I teach. I teach women how to lead their lives and their businesses. That's like the core value of what I do because I believe everything in terms of how you're being strategy attached to that is what makes things so beautiful. And I thought, what if this is the very story of becoming iconic? Like, what if this is the catalyst to everything, the growth, the, the next level of becoming iconic? And it was, it was planted, but it was hard to see because you thought, what do you mean? Who's going to even believe me that I have this massive brand when I have 300 followers now? Like, who's going to look at my Instagram and be like, oh yeah, I heard of that girl or she looks legit because we put so much emphasis on the vanity metrics of social media. It was like, if someone had a lot of followers and it looked good, we automatically gave over our trust. We automatically gave them authority or considered them an expert in what they were doing without actually discerning what are they putting out there? Do our values align? Is there actually education and things that I am learning or um, getting from this, this Mm -hmm. certain profile? And so as I started growing my social again, because I decided, no, this is going to be an epic story. This is going to be the iconic story. I started to grow it. What was absolutely astonishing was the quality over quantity and how much that changed my business. I sold out of one-on-one coaching. I have a waiting list now. I've sold out of all, like everything has just blown up. I, mm. I, it's unbelievable, but it's because I believe So many people were craving the evidence. So many people were praying for there to be a solution to this hamster wheel that we feel like we're participating in every single day. And it also taught me because I I teach paradigm shifting that social media's paradigm has also shifted where it's now value, quality. What do you stand for? What do you want to teach? How much do you care not looking at followers. I never liked the word followers. I never Mm -hmm. liked that. It was always to me should have been the word community. Like it should have just said community. And there was all these beautiful people within the community, but I call them heartbeats because every single person that chooses to follow, I just feel so grateful for. I always have, but especially now because that's such a conscientious decision. So what 
what could happen for us in our social media if we actually flipped it on its head and realized, oh my gosh, this whole time I've been considering and thinking and obsessing, frankly, over likes and comments and how many followers I have. I haven't been obsessing like that over the words I use, how potent my message is, how I'm showing up, you know, how beautiful this looks because it does matter. Are you, are you creating something that people want to stop and pay attention to? And when we, we take the attention away from the, the following and all those vanity metrics and, and hold ourselves accountable to how we're showing up online, that's when you're going to see incredible growth. It's unbelievable. It really doesn't matter how many followers you have. And I am living proof of that in real time. Yeah, I feel like people are more and more, uh, I don't even want to say like opening up to, but just like experiencing that it really actually doesn't matter. I have an interesting perspective about all of this because I, my personal Instagram, when I say personal, it's my business. It's, you know, my name, Nikki Arndman. My Instagram, um, I had like, I think I feel like maybe it was around like 3000 followers. Um, this was like two years ago and I launched a low ticket funnel for a digital product um, and started running ads to it. And a lot majority of my ads and where I had the most success was with uh, story ads and it was my face and I'm just talking and talking about this product and um, I started gaining like hundreds of followers a day and it may, it, these are not, they're, they're choosing to follow me. They're getting fed my ad. And this is an audience audience that I'm choosing based upon, you know, Facebook's backend. And, um, I'm up to like, I think I have close to 34,000 followers now on there, but I have such low engagement you would, you would never know. Like my business is successful. It's doing great. It has nothing to do with my Instagram or my social media in general, really. Um, and I, it's, it's so interesting because it's like, I have this following, I've got 30,000 something people, you know, on there. And my stories, like they get like a hundred views. Like I don't even, I literally just don't even pay attention to it anymore. I'm just like, this is just like, it's there. It is, it is what it is. But I, I feel like I, I'm like the, on the other end. It's like, I've got this following and they, and maybe, maybe yours was like that too. Like you had this following, but was your business really dependent on it? Um, and, and, or not even dependent on it, but like, was your business growing financially? because of it in, in, in the same way that it is now that you have this smaller, more niche, niche audience that are seeing so much value in the content that you're sharing. And like you said, are just generally more engaged and you're selling out programs and you've got a wait list. Like, was that always the case, even with the larger following? Great, great questions. And so here's how I'd like to answer it sort of on two, two, two sides. Number Sorry, one I is, ramble and no, it's good. It's good. Cause this is, I, I believe, well, and I believe this is how people are thinking. So I think I'm really glad you asked that because there's a lot of people listening in right now, I think who are feeling that same way. So let's assume you have a big following and low engagement, a couple things there. I, I believe people follow us and all of a sudden next week, they don't even remember who we were. 
right? So they mm-hmm. follow and then all of a sudden we get lost in in the pile. And that's okay. I I think what's missing for a lot of us is the intention when we show up. I don't know if we were to be honest with ourselves if a lot of people are showing up on their social media as though they are on a stage in front of 10,000 people who are sitting on the edge of their seats so excited mm-hmm. to see them. We're kind of just going, well, I should probably post today and show my face and stories. And that energy of showing up and doing things that way, it has an effect. And the best piece of advice sort of tie this together, people who even, who don't have a big following, who have a small one, when we actually take the personal responsibility to show up in that way, I mean, get dressed, show up, be excited for one person watching our story. Mm -hmm everything changes energetically because all of a sudden we realize when did a hundred followers not become enough? When did all of a sudden a hundred people looking at my stories not feel like enough? If we had a hundred people in your house right now, you would be like, whoa, I don't even know if I could fit all of you. And so see how we've almost got stuck in this incredible warp zone, which I think is what Meta wants <laughs> of, you know, of more, more, more. Yeah. We got to do more. We need more followers. We need more likes. We need more views. It's like more, more, more. And that more, what we're desiring will come when we actually sit in gratitude for what already is. And then we hold ourselves to this higher standard of, I'm going to show up today. Like I have 1 million followers. I have a million followers and thousands of comments, and I'm going to show up in that posture. And when you do watch your engagement, you won't have to do anything differently other than just sheer energy and intention when you show up online. Mm-hmm. Do you follow Joe Dispenza's work at all? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Joe just had a big part of my life. Yes. Yeah. Um, me too. And I, my, if my people watching like this, my home that I'm in right now, um, was purely a visualization for me for like over the last two years, we renovated about a year ago and it, I had no clue how I would do these things or what, you know what I mean? Or, or how I would create what I wanted to create. Um, and my, when I sit here and like, I record right just here in my house, um, it's always, it's such a reminder to me of what, what you're talking about right now, which is very much be in the energy of something already existing. And what would it feel like if that was already your reality? Right. Because it's like, it is actually your reality, you know? And, and, and then all of a sudden it's like one day you're like, wow, like I'm doing it. This is like Mm -hmm. exactly what I have been visualizing for the last like X amount of, you know, however long it takes, we don't have a timeline there. Um, but I, it's whenever this stuff gets brought up outside of like me sitting in a, a meditation or something like that, I always, and I just, I'm sharing this as my, my own personal experience, because I think it is, re- I think it's relatable. I, I think so. Um, is that sometimes I forget to apply these things to business and and money and financial things, right? Mm-hmm. Like we visualize having, you know, getting, I'm just going to use this as an example. Like we visualize getting pregnant. We visualize this, you know, birth the way that we want it to be or whatever it is, you know, or we visualize a vacation or we 
visualize the kitchen and this open plan concept in your home, whatever it is. And then we forget to apply that to like something like social media. You know what I mean? Of like, what if I just show up? Like I already had, like, like it actually matters. And there, the 10, 15, a hundred people who are there are already there and they're waiting for me and they're excited for me. And, you know, and, um, I just think it's funny sometimes that we, it's so easy to apply these energetic principles to so many areas of life, but personally, I, they fall to the wayside sometimes when it comes to business. Mm -hmm. And I don't, not even, um, not business as a whole, because I will, it does, I do do this work around what I'm desiring to create in my business, but the means to get there, like social media as a marketing tool, you know, at the end of the day, I think, um, social media is kind of like the, like it for you when you talk about it and you talk about it as it being like this place where you pour yourself out and you're able to like it's an expression for you yes. um and a byproduct of that expression is people being attracted to that and wanting more of it so therefore they join programs and work with you um and so you have that's like your uh like power line to social you know and I think that it's important that like not everyone feels that they can express themselves like fully through social media or that's what it is. But I do think that there's a way for everyone to look at it as like a marketing mechanism or a tool to be able to connect people to who they are as like a human. And if we can make the experience more a uh, humanized experience on social media um, and something where they get to experience, like if they were like sitting around a fire with you, like journaling and talking about all the deep desires of life, can they get some of that essence from you through social media and just let you be actually be the thing that they're attracted to and not, I got to talk about this. I've got to use these words. I got to make sure I'm touching on this. I'm assuming parts of what I'm talking about are connected to what like soul-led selling looks like through yes. social media. Yeah. Yeah. You bring, bring a couple things up and soul-led sales a hundred percent. I mean, how, how incredible that most people who come to my social media sign up for programs and they're not even entirely sure what they are. Mm. It's just, they decide with their body that they are saying yes to themselves and yes to the intuitive tug. So I, and here, let me pull that back because people might sound, say, well, that's nice for Jen. <laughs> I don't <laughs> have that. And here's, here's an example. So yesterday I had a brand new private client start with me and she said to me out of the gate, she goes, I can't stand social media. I don't like it. I look at you and one other account and that's it. That's the time I spend on it. I don't like it. I want to build my business outside of social media. And I will never tell somebody to do something that's unaligned. I also, though, get really curious around big statements like that. And, you know, people will say social media has created mental health issues. Social media has, you know, taken the confidence away from people. I am going to say something that's really probably not popular, but I think we're giving our 
responsibility over to something outside of us. It's our responsibility, our leadership and how we do things and how we allow those things to affect us. If we are constantly consuming and then getting stuck in comparison and stuck in I'm not good enough and stuck in her pictures are pretty, my pictures are not, of course your mental health is going to be affected. But who is responsible for that ultimately? It's you. Why are you doing that to yourself over and over again? Set some boundaries, create these lines in the sand for yourself where you're going to say, you know, thank goodness now Instagram has the list of favorites where you can add those profiles to your favorites. That's what I do. So when I go on, I consume only those profiles that I want to consume. So it's a great way to set a boundary, but let's stop blaming social media and saying, I don't want to do social media instead of go, why do I feel this way? And so during my conversation with her, what ended up coming through is she said, I really want to keep my personal life, my personal life. I don't want to be that person who's showing everything about my life. It doesn't feel correct for me. And I, we talked it through and I said, if you go to my social media, you see very little of my personal life, my kids, my, my home. And that's on purpose. It's because first of all, my social media was taken and you realize all those pictures of my children are in somebody else's hands, but also this is my business. And yes, I'll have the, you'll have glimpses into my life, but I love pouring in value with things that are going to support you in your life and business. I don't need my children necessarily to make that point. And if you know me, you know that I'm a mom of four. So she had this light bulb moment. She went, wait, I get it. My vulnerability can come through the lessons I've learned in business. That's the piece that people connect to. And the lesson that came through that vulnerable space or that, you know, obstacle I overcame. And I was like, that's it. And it was the most incredible aha moment for her. And she booked herself a branding shoot. It was so incredible, the transition, the shift. But what I, what I realized and what I've known is it's simply just a disconnect of, I don't know how to show up online. I don't know. I don't want to give all of this, but I, I feel like I want to start and I don't know what to do. We're getting in our way so often. Let's stop complicating it and get down to the basics. What do you have to share that can change and impact someone's life? Let's go there. And once you identify that, it's just now a matter of starting to pull this out of you and into words, or if you prefer your video or whatever it may be, but we start there and all of a sudden it starts to click. It's like a seatbelt. And then Mm -hmm. once it's clicked in, you get excited to show up online every day. Yeah. That's so powerful. I think that if every, anyone who's feeling like, do I even need this at all? Can I build without it? Um, what would I do if I didn't have it? How dependent is my business on it? All those questions are, do any of them matter? You know, it's like, does any of that matter other than like, this is an outlet that I have that connects the people that I love to serve. How can I serve? How can I be of service? Um, and what do I need to say to show up, to be able to connect with more people that I can serve and just serve the ones that are already there, already listening Yeah, and just do that and let that be enough. Yeah. And and pick a platform that you love. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you don't want pretty aesthetics, if someone said to me, I do not want to do branding photo shoots. I don't want pictures Mm -hmm. of myself. Go hang out on LinkedIn, pour yourself into that platform. Mm -hmm. I would never neglect one. I just think it's the way of the world. So if you want to build a business and you're an entrepreneur, if you cut off social media, I mean, you're cutting off a major leg of your business. That's just, 
to me doesn't make a, a it's just not viable. Mm-hmm. So instead of forcing it, where do you love to play? I mean, I have a client, she's amazing. She's a midlife coach. She plays on TikTok like it's her mm-hmm. job. Okay. She loves TikTok. So interesting, right? And then I have yeah. some people who love their Facebook groups. And so it's finding your sweet spot, mm-hmm. leaning into that. So what do you like about social media? Which platform feels the most comfortable? And then just repurpose, share mm-hmm. it over across all the other ones. And here you go. You've now created synergy, energy, excitement, potential new meetups all these things happen because you just did one source of effort and you were very intentional about it and you had some fun while doing it. It gets to be fun. Like let's have more fun. (laughs) We're so serious all the time. Amen. I couldn't agree with that more. Okay. This was so good. I love, there was so many good little pieces in here just around social. I love all the motherhood talk. I feel like we could do a whole episode just around all of that. Can you tell everyone where they can find you? Um, If you've got any openings or programs or products that you'd like to share, please, please tell everyone so they can find you. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you, Nikki. I appreciate that. So it's becoming iconic across all social platforms. Pretty easy. And that was actually a really beautiful bonus of losing my social Mm -hmm. because I used to use my name and nobody knew how to spell it. So becoming iconic uh, across all social platforms and the website's becomingiconic.co. So .co. I do have a free program on my website that I think is really beautiful for people just to sort of lean further into who I am and what I stand for. It's called Manifestation Emotion. Mm-hmm. When you go to the website, it's just going to pop right up. It's a five-day course with downloadables. It's completely free. And that has created so many incredible stories of financial abundance and magic and miracles. It's unbelievable. So that I highly recommend it. And then of course the podcast becoming iconic, the masterclass, I host weekly masterclasses on that podcast for everybody. I go deep into subjects and it really is my heart and soul. So if anybody wants to find me, those would be the greatest places to play. And of course, reach out in the DMs if someone feels called to explore other things. Amazing. Definitely go subscribe to her podcast. It's so good. You have a very soothing voice in when you're doing your solo sessions. Um, And I just, I love listening. So thank you so much for being here. I appreciate all your insight and um, tips and tricks. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon. You too, Nikki. Thank you.